0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things to talk to you about. First, Thrive Fantasy is a great way to play daily fantasy sports, and it's not like the other sites. You don't have to drop the roster. You don't have to worry about ownership. You know, snake-style drafts, none of that. It is prop betting, prop bets. You have 20 prop bets on a slate. You pick 10 plus two ice picks in case one of your previous 10 players gets scratched. It's super simple. Like, say, Clayton Kershaw over, under, five and a half strikeouts. Take the prop bet. There's certain points weighted to the over the under on all the prop bets, and it's super, super fun. Go to Thrive Fantasy. Use promo code SPORTSDGENS, and you get a free $10 at Thrive when you make your first deposit. Free $10 at Thrive. So go to Thrive in your app store, Thrive Fantasy. It is a free $10 with promo code SPORTSDGENS when you make your first deposit. Talking about making your first deposit, go to mybookie.ag. You got the NCAA tournament starting up this week. You got baseball season right around the corner. Get all the betting bets you need. Prop bets, overall money line bets, spreads, you name it. They got it. Mybookie.ag. And when you're new to mybookie, use promo code BENCHED when you check out and you'll get a free 50% first-time deposit bonus up to $1,000. So go to mybookie.ag, use promo code BENCH, deposit 100 bucks, get a free 50. Deposit 500 free 250 so on and so forth. It is absolutely awesome. Also, let me talk to you about thequantedge.com. I love what I do over at Fantasy Sports uh, fantasy sports have been doing it for a long time, but I'm also going to branch out a bit, spread the word, go to thequantedge. Great, great site. I promoted their football product. They do a great basketball product. They have asked me to write a article four or five times a week for the MLB DFS action. I'll also have my um, MLB DFS quick hits on fantasy sports agents and the Edge. But if you want the whole season-long baseball package, all the tools, all the lineup optimizers, you name it, they got it. You get $25 off when you use promo code Bubba. So go to the Edge, get in there. The tools are amazing. I've, I've checked them out for the other sports, the lineup optimizer, the injury tools. They're going to have uh, stadium tools, weather, all kinds of cool stuff. So go to the Quant Edge, sign up for the season-long baseball DFS package. Use promo code Bubba for a free twenty-five dollars off. Last but not least, if you give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd much much appreciate it. It would help me go a long long ways in uh, building this brand even bigger and better than it already is. With all that being said, welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode one fifty-four, with John Hegland of Baseball Prospectus. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 154 with the final week of Fantasy Baseball Drafts upon us. We're going to talk about some sleepers. We've done all the position previews, done a bunch of draft talk. We're going to do some sleepers. In order to do so, I have a special guest, first-timer on the show, from Baseball Perspectives. You can find him on Twitter, at John Heglin. John, how are we doing, man? We're doing great. I I thought we were doing a whole uh,
2: Giants fantasy preview show, so I thought I was going to be out of here in like – Ten minutes.
1: Oh man, we can You're so you. Look, we, we we can talk all the giants you want because we can cry together. We can laugh I together. I can put an extra explicit label on this because it might get a little rough. But uh, um, I,
2: yeah, no, I feel really bad like complaining about the Giants after you know three rings. It's sort of like you know I have a lot of I have a lot of, a lot of friends who are Mariners fans and they're not really they're not really up for that. They don't really want to hear it.
1: So. Yeah, I loved your tweet. I think it was yesterday, the day before. Going, man, as much as I'm down on the Giants, I have to keep remembering, like, or, or something like three titles in five years is basically something like felt like so long ago. <laughs> it's it what was happened. It. Yeah, that was yeah. Because nice. like you say, it, I look over over above my computer. There's a 2010 like plaque. Uh, there's a Will Clark jersey behind me. I got like the Giants here. I got all kinds of stuff around my room. And I'm, yeah, and I just did a pot. I did a, my around the basis pod, and we did the Nos preview. And my co-host was having a blast asking me questions about the Giants. <laughs> I, I'm just like not wanting to talk about it at all. So. Well, yeah, let's move on now. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be a rough year, but uh, we, we 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 dig on and we hope for the future. Joey Bart and company is where are. I'm at. I'm going to go into San Jose and watch watching the boys play. So Sweet. that's the
2: plan. Very
1: nice. Uh, let's talk know. about some recent news and kind of the fantasy impacts to it. Uh, we had a couple of little signings. We're not going to talk Mike Trout because that's amazing, but he's not going to impact fantasy. He's still the best player in the world. Um, Alex Bregman got his deal, not going to impact us. Um, Gio Gonzalez, though, does get a minor league deal with the Yankees. We know have their rotation's a little banged up. Gio might not be ready for the start of the season coming in this late, but there's going to be an opening for him if, like, say, Domingo Herman or Johnny Lasagna or one of those guys doesn't come through. How does a guy like Gio Gonzalez now jump onto the fantasy radar for you?
2: Um, he really doesn't. Um, I, I, I'm actually more interested in this in if you know maybe it's tipping their hand a little bit about where they think Severino is, um, you know, needing to go get reinforcements. I don't know, Gio. I guess I guess in a in a really deep format, uh, an AL only format, you know, he'll grab you some wins, but his you know velocity's been declining. Uh K per nine has been declining. Um so and going to um that ballpark, it doesn't it doesn't give me a lot of hope for fantasy relevance. So there there's probably and I've never been a Geo fan. I, I just can't stand the guys that wreck your whip um for some reason. And Geo's always kind of been a whip killer. Uh so I'm I'm probably gonna stay away. You know, ale only, you know, if if you're into that, go for it.
1: Yeah, I feel you. It's a tough one. Um, He does hurt you a ton. He has like those glimpses every once in a while where he wants to suck you back in. And uh, you got to like just hold off and go, nope, this is not the Oakland A's, Gio Gonzalez or the early national Gio. It's just not happening. Yeah. Um, Another kind of small move that it's more of who it's going to affect more than his production overall, but... Carlos Gonzalez goes to the Cleveland Indians. They needed another outfielder. They needed a kind of a left-handed power guy, sort of needed. You have Jake Bowers. There's Greg Allen and, and some others out there. Um, first off, do you think Cargo has a fantasy impact this season or is he just another guy? He's, uh, I mean, he, he was, his
2: value was already de- declining. I mean, Coors kind of um, propped it up uh, for the last couple years. I mean, what are the Indians even doing? Like, do they even want to win their division? Um, so bad. They're trying to win their division in like 2010 by getting Hanley and and Cargo now. So I I don't even know. I mean, I had a little bit of hope for uh, Greg Allen and even uh, Jordan Luplow um, as you know being sort of deep sleepers. I mean, Allen Moore, you know, he's he's been um, drafted for his speed. I, I that's kind of a mess, and um, I don't see Gonzalez. Um, you know, he again he could. Come out, hit a few home runs, uh, put up a marginally decent average for a little while, but I, I just think he's at the end of the line. Um, so I'm, I, I, am more sort of astounded by what the Indians think they're doing. Like, did you know they're they're inviting the Twins to just take that division?
1: Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I thought I was being you know, sh- you know, sneaky. month or so ago saying the twins were going to win this division and that was just when they were trying to trade like Kluber or Bauer out of the team which made no sense to me at all but yeah now watching what they've done to this offense and and manipulating it and now you're gonna have Hanley and Cargo there it really is weird to see what they're doing um with Greg Allen like you mentioned that that was kind of an early drafters late round stolen base target does he have any relevancy anymore
2: I mean, you, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't drop him if you can afford to hold him. Um, I'd, you know, see how things play out maybe for the first few weeks. Um, but you know, it's, it's not, it's not looking great. And uh, the problem is with someone like Allen, if he's not getting, you know, it's kind of the draw Dyson problem. If you're, if you're in a league with weekly lineups, um, you know, do you just plug him in? He takes up that whole lineup spot, and maybe you're getting like two steals out of it, and you know just a pinch running appearance here, a pinch hitting appearance there. So I am, you know, a little bit, I don't have any Allen shares myself, but uh, if I had Allen shares, I'd I'd probably try to hold on at least
1: a week or two into the season, unless you really had a roster crunch. That's a good call. And I think daily leagues, he he has a little more valuable value to you there. But yeah, it's interesting. He over the weekend at the uh, NFBC main event, he was going around pick two ninety six right around Jorge Soler, Kevin Kiermeyer. And those types oh. I, me, me personally, I'd probably go Kiermeyer and Solaire over him with more more uh, you know controlled job environment. what about you? yeah,
2: no question um, I, I don't I, I tend not to draft uh, speed only guys anyway um, but you know has got you know just one season of health from him maybe he can uh, you know go I don't know um, you know 10 twenty five or something like that if he's if he's leading off. Um Soler, I'm you know, kind of quietly interested in. Um I, he had a really good uh you know uh sort of second half of the season last year. It kind of went under the radar with all of the Mondesi uh hype. But um yeah, I I far prefer those guys to to Allen at this point.
1: Yeah, it's interesting the way you mentioned Soler there. It it seemed like, you know, through all the draft coverage that I've seen or done or read, whatever. I never saw Soler's name mentioned a ton. It seems like the last week all of a sudden, just maybe it's because all the home runs he's hit in the spring or what it is, but now, now I'm, this is the second half he was, he had last year and all these different stories is pretty interesting because, yeah, there's still a lot of value with Soler. And people forget he's just a few years removed from being a, a high prospect in the Cubs system, and he's kind of just been banged up and not getting that consistent approach out there. So that could be one of those late-round targets, especially power-wise, that could pay off big time. All right, let's go to the Pittsburgh Pirates, Jung Ho Kang. He is the starting third baseman now for the Pirates. Interesting situation here. Um, you know, you got to take the off-the-field stuff as it is. He's playing baseball now. He's been productive in times he's on the field. Um, what are your thoughts on Kang now as the everyday third baseman for the Pirates?
2: Yeah, I think he now he makes a pretty interesting corner infield option. Um I wouldn't want to depend on him, uh, you know, as my starting third baseman because I think there's a little bit of with the whole, you know, every hit he's had uh, in, in the spring has been a a home run. Um, You know, uh, that's, yes, he still has power. um, But I, I have a little bit of skepticism, but I'm interested. I mean, you know, you gotta be interested. He's a starting player. He has, you know, when he was uh, the last time he played in the majors, you know, he was on a pace for 30 plus home runs over the course of the season. So, yeah, I mean, you got to be interested. I mean, the Pirates, uh, I don't think that Colin Moran is uh, anyone's idea of um, a playing time obstacle. Um, so I think they're going to give him a lot of run. So, sure.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot to like there. Like it it's it's been an issue of consistent time with him on the field in his seasons. He's been there, but uh the power's there, decent batting average, and not a bad option. He's going about pick three fifty three right now. That's, going to continue That's the gonna continue to go, climb it. really. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to see like if I just do a search from say this past Saturday to the end of this next Sunday, that like could eight day window there. That's gonna be a much different ADP to take oh, a yeah. look at. Much, much different. Um Detroit Tigers. We weren't really looking for them for a lot of fantasy help this year. It's nothing great. Uh, Paul Sporer is going to enjoy playing them on the show because they'll be better than real life, stuff like that. <laughs> but um, gee, um, Michael Fulmer, he's going to have Tommy Johnson. Uh, right? yeah. Pretty much a done deal. People were really high on him this year. You know, Less than a week ago, they were worried about him losing six miles an hour on a fastball, usually a sign for concern. Um He's done. We don't really have to analyze that anymore, but the rotation of Boyd Zimmerman, Tyson Ross, Matt Moore, and Daniel Norris doesn't scream excitement all over the place. Anything there yeah. spike your interest
2: um, in that rotation? I mean, I, I am interested in Boyd. Um, I, I did grab him. I think it's my like SP uh, six or seven in the tout wars draft and hold. Um I'm interested in the the strikeout uh, spike from last year and he's carried it over into the spring. The velo is up. Um, you know, he might, he might have a three five ERA with like three wins all season on that team. Uh, the rest of that rotation is pretty, pretty grisly. I, I don't, I mean, Zimmerman had a few moments last year, but um, I, I don't, you know, I can't see um, rostering him uh, unless I was streaming for a particularly, you know, favorable week. But yeah, um, I don't know. I've always been interested in Daniel Norris, but I, you know, I got to see something first before uh, getting back on on that on that boat.
1: Yeah, you can always say you, you drafted the guy that lives in the van and, and shaves his beard with an axe. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, that's always an interesting Daniel Norris story. But yeah, I'm with you there because when you know he's a big prospect. I think he came over in the price deal with Toronto, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that um, sounds right. And then he was supposed to be that guy, and he really has never been that guy. So no, I, I could see that interesting. The biggest thing with that rotation, you know, you got Matt Moore in, in a little more friendly ballpark. You got Tyce, you got Ross, and those other guys. They're trying to trade them essentially. So if they get a hot stretch, I guess if you have to spot start, but yeah, it's, it's tough. I am with you on Boyd though. I have a couple shares of Boyd. I think that's interesting. Um, one last one I just want to ask you about purely speculation. You started mentioning that before we record us and I, you piqued my interest. We might as well discuss it in case, you know, right after we finish recording, the deal happens. But if not, it's just fun to talk about. Uh, there's rumors that Craig Kim Roll, you were saying might go to the Crew. They're in talks in talks, talks. Um, they're yeah, talking. We, yeah. Just like we are, you know, what's going, yep. we're talking. Um, but you know, if he goes there, you'd have to imagine he's the closer. So Corey Knievel, Josh Hader, all those options there, you know, Jeremy Jeffers is injured right now, but he also comes into the back end. What does that do for you with that back end that was so dominant, but everyone kind of got a piece of the pie. Now it's pretty much gone.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, it makes me glad that I I missed out on almost all of those guys and and – in the leagues I've drafted so far. That's selfish. Um, yeah. I, you know, Hater Hader's value doesn't change a ton. He's still going to be a multi-inning guy. Um, but, you know, he probably, the, the the 10 to 15 saves he might get probably gets chopped down a little bit. If And, you know, it's purely speculative. So who knows? I mean, I, I'm just sort of impressed with the, the Brewers have been, you know, one of the few teams that have looked at the market and, and if they do sign Kimbrel, like, uh, with the Grandal signing, with the the Mistaka signing, I mean, you know, they've, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm, I, I, want players to get their fair share, um, you know, but they, they've made smart moves, uh, they've really taken advantage of the depressed market, you know, and I, you know, they have to be, um, if, if the Kimbrel signing goes through, I mean, they have to be far and away the favorites, you know, not if that. Uh, Certainly in the central, but possibly to challenge, um, you know, the Dodgers, um, for you know, the supremacy in the NL. I mean, sure, the Nationals and the Phillies are around, um, but yeah, but that that really would elevate them, uh, to another level.
1: So, yeah, with that bullpen, time. yeah, that bullpen would be definitely one of the top ones, you know, when you talk best bullpens, you talk Yankees, um, the, the Astros always get a nice look there. But that, that would definitely elevate the uh, Brew crew in a big, big way. If they could just get a couple starters to be consistent there, that would be scary because that offense is going to be very, very good. So I'm curious to see where that goes. It's uh, an interesting topic because there's only you know about a week left of draft time, and uh, Knievel was a very, very popular name. Haters always popular. It'll be really interesting to see how that all plays out. Yep. All right. You hinted already. You mentioned the your TAT Wars draft and hold team. Uh, we want to talk about that real quick before we get into our sleeper talk. Uh, it's it's a pretty cool deal. The first year of the Tout Wars draft and hold, 15 teams, 50 rounds, I believe. You had the third yeah. pick. What was your general strategy when you went into this draft?
2: Well, so first of all, I had to decide if I was going to take Jose Ramirez or not. Um, and as I wrote about in my recap, um, you know, the, the Clay Links sent the tweet that, uh, you know, changed a thousand draft boards um, about Ramirez and his his really, um, you know, abysmal performance against uh, breaking pitches in the sort of his two month, uh, you know, slide in August and September of last year. And, you know, I thought, well, do I really want to I mean, yeah, he you know, he. This was a, a bad end to the year uh, for him, as, at least as far as batting average. Um, and I thought twice, you know I thought, well, should I go Scherzer? Should I go uh, you know j d? Um, but you know I, Martinez, I kind of you know stepped back and tried to look at this with uh, objective eyes and say, you know he's been an elite hitter for really the last three years. Um, he's 26. And two months is a really uh, small sample size when you're looking at, you know, three years of, of elite production. Furthermore, uh, Tout is an OBP league. Even when he was hitting, like in the 220s, his OBP was around 340, 350. Um, he, he was actually, his walk rate increased. And that gives me, I think, a comfortable floor. And with that Cleveland team, I mean, we, we sort of, you know, referenced how, um, you know, how bad the, the bottom end of that lineup is, um, you know, I I think it gives them a lot of freedom to run. Um, and so I I thought that was a pretty safe value and I just wanted, I wanted the freedom, you know, rostering someone who was an on base guy with power and speed just means you can go in so many different directions, um, you know, based on what's available to you in subsequent rounds. Um, so the other thing I wanted to do, um, well, a couple things. Also, I wanted to, to really get a strong on-base percentage, uh, you know, sort of core of my roster. So um, went with Ramirez and Juan Soto as my first two hitters. Um, and then got like Posey, uh, Jesse Winker, um, you know, who are also really strong uh, on-base performers to, to make sure that I kind of lock that in. Um on the pitching side, I, I just wanted to see what the the room was going to do, but planned on probably getting two pitchers in the first four rounds, um, you know, whether they be sort of top of the line aces or kind of you know second tier aces. Um, and I did grab pitchers in the second and the fourth round with Snell and Jameson Tyon. And then I really wanted to go hitter heavy uh, for a while, for about maybe eight rounds or so. And then just kind of use those mid rounds to really uh, stock up, just really get um, a lot of quantity with pitching because with the draft and hold format um, and the weekly lineups, that would give me a lot of freedom to just play matchups and, and kind of, you know, um, maximize, um, you know, the talent that I had uh, as far as starting pitching. So it's kind of how it went.
1: Yeah, I, I like it. Looking at your, your, the way you talked about kind of just trying to maximize innings and uh, op, like kind of targets and whatnot. And, and you really did that after you got like your core of, you know, Snell, t- uh, Jamison Tyon, Charlie Morton. You know, three you can really count on there. You got Wade Davis closing. But then you go to Hungjin Ryu, who, you know, he's going to spend some time on the DL, which is what they do. But when he's out there, he's outstanding. Uh, John Gray, you can stream him. <laughs> when he's on the road. Um, I, I don't hate him on the road. Think like you know, your Trevor Rays, your Andrew Miller, those kind of relievers, Matt Strom, who now is turning into a great pick. Um, Michael Pinetta, I think, can be sneaky good. Jeff Samarja eats up innings. I really like where you went with the pitching there, and it goes on and on throughout the roster. So there's, there's some good stuff there. Uh, you struck gold on uh, Robbie Grossman. As much as I don't like seeing him starting for the A's compared to some other guys they have, that's going to pan out really nicely for you there. Um, what were a couple guys maybe cause as you're going deep in like 15 team 50 rounds, like you're drafting um, some guys, Corey Spangenberg uh, you know, there's the Jordan Luplo name again, Jarrell cotton. There's, there's a lot of late, late names you're targeting. Who were some that you were just throwing it and hoping it's stuck or who are a couple that maybe you thought, okay, these guys actually have a path to playing time if it all works out.
2: Yeah. Um, trying to see if I can get my draft Vogelbach
1: board of... pick in the 40th round is Very, very good.
2: Well, I hope so. I mean, that's, that's definitely one of them where it, you know, that BP has sort of a, a cult of Vogelbach. There are a lot of the writers there that are really into Vogelbach just waiting for that, you know, you know, waiting for him to translate that um, minor's dominance into, into the majors. Um, so, so it was a couple days after that, that DePoto came out and said that he'd be getting, um, be getting, you know, a serious look. Um, so, uh, you know, I think af- honestly, after about round 30, it's pretty much all, um, it's pretty much all sort of throw crap against the wall and, and hope something sticks. I mean, I do think you have to balance. I, I didn't go, I think a lot of, a lot of managers went a little more, um, prospect heavy. Uh, and I, I really erred on the side of like, boring regulars, you know, your your Brett Gardner's, your Alex Gordons. I mean, that those are nobody's idea of exciting fantasy players. But I know there's going to be some week in July where, you know, I'm going to be really glad that I've rostered Alex Gordon. Um, you know, as uninspiring as he is. And and I think you just have to really uh and, and another thing because I kind of went pitching heavy, I don't have a ton of backup uh at my positions, so um so getting those guys that even if, you know, frankly, they, they, they kind of suck, um, you know, a, at least they, they would be accumulating some stats um, if, if it comes to a point where I have to actually put them in the lineup. So, so yeah, the Gordons, the, I, I mean, like Zach Davies, he's getting hit around like a, like a pumpkin uh, this spring, but he's gonna, you know, he's, he's gonna get 10 to 12 wins with like a, ERA. You know, sometimes that can be useful.
1: I'm glad you mentioned a name like Alex Gordon. I literally did a draft earlier tonight, a 15 team draft. And I was the fifth pick. So on my last pick 30th round, I was debating taking Alex Gordon just because he's going to be batting in the middle of that Royals order. He's He's going to be out there every day. It's like as as much as he could be annoying, he's going to get chances to produce day in and day out. And at that point in the draft, that's exactly what you're looking for. So I I like that. And and when you look at your roster, like you said, you can do that deep pitching strategy because you set up your game plan of taking so many solid hitters, barring injuries which you can't predict. You have a solid lineup that, in reality, you're not going to be changing a ton throughout the season. So um, there's a lot to like there when you're doing it. Um, Can you let everybody know exactly that might not know what a draft and hold format uh, entails? Like do you still set your roster every week, stuff like that?
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, it's modeled on the NFPC draft champions and I've only done one of those, um, a couple of years ago. So I really don't have a lot of experience. I don't know. Do you do the draft cha- or the draft champions? I drafting? have not
1: yet. No, okay. I have
2: not. I mean, um, you know, it's like a, it's, it's a good mock drafting, but it's, you know, 150 a pop. So it's, it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's expensive. mock drafting. But, um, yeah, so 50 rounds. So you draft, uh, and you hold everyone for the entire year. There is, there are no trades. There are no waiver pickups. There is no DL. Um, so, you know, every, uh, and then you set your lineup weekly, um, based on, you know, what you have on your 50 player roster. Um, so you have to be like, you have your, you have to have your crystal ball out and be looking at, okay, what could happen, uh, you know, in July or August, um, or, you know, September when I'm down in the stretch run, um, you know, what players could emerge, what roles could change. Um, And that's hard. And I don't, I don't know. I think a lot of the other players did uh, better with that than I did, to be honest, but, um, but you know, everything that you, you know, every player you roster for the entire season comes out of those 50 that you draft.
1: Not, uh, and I, I like that idea. It's just totally different. Um, I do hear people compare it to a, a mock draft. I'm like, yeah, that's one way to do a mock draft. But I guess at worst because, you know, everyone always says, man, I wish I could play this team out and see how it does. And, well, now you get to it for $150. Right. you get a shot. So I, I like the concept behind it. Um, the OBP, you're seeing more and more of that these days. That makes things very, very interesting and does change things. Like that one that Soto pick is – I think an actual steal at that point in the draft, your third pick in the third round. <laughs> he is an OBP monster, so that's outstanding.
2: Yeah, I, I'm excited. I mean, I, I actually when I when I started to kind of game out the first few rounds, I kind of had Soto penciled in, just hoping he would be there. And then I actually, um, you know, was debating for a minute about between him and uh, Chris Bryant. Um, I think Bryant was there. Yeah, Bryant went the next pick, and I just, I just. I couldn't, I couldn't resist uh, Soto with, you know, the year he had last year. And I know people say, well, you know, could be a sophomore slump, but he was up, you know, for the better part of the year Um, pitchers had a chance to adjust to him. He adjusted back. He's got such great on, I mean, he's just so polished right for a a kid basically um, that I don't, I mean, if he does what he did last year over a full season, has great value. Uh, he doesn't even, you know, at the in the third round, he doesn't necessarily have to take a step forward to be worth that third round pick.
1: Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. Um, you know, Puig, Jesse Winker can be sneaky good. It looks like he's actually going to get the job now because there's always rumors that he might not be there, and they're getting wise on that one. I think Ryan Braun is one of my favorite kind of mid mid round targets. There, very very good. A lot to uh, to like like in that respect. You got. You got Will Nelly here, always a good deal. Um, Talking about some of your pitchers, just to talk some players here now. Blake Snell, you took him as your, your number one pitcher, second round. You know, obviously had a phenomenal season last year. Cy Young award winner, not much to hide there. There are, you know, the doubters that say, you know, how can you do it with this kind of, you know, left on base rate and all this stuff. Um, I think he's still going to be very, very good this year. It's tough to be that good, but he's going to be very, very good. What are you uh, – what sold you on taking him in the second round?
2: Yeah, well, I, I, you know, honestly, I probably would have taken um, Nola Verlander Cole um, along with the big three. Ahead. So I wasn't really targeting him. Um, you know, I, I I just saw him as kind of the last um, top line ace um, before a tiny step down to the Bauer Syndergaard Severino uh, tier. I mean, I think the strikeouts are legit. I don't. Ex- I I expect the whip to maybe take up a bit. Um, the RA is going to take up a bit, um, but he really, I mean, the way he finished the end of the season last year, it was not, it was not a pitcher that was getting tired. It was a pitcher that was finding another level. Um, so I, I have a little bit of, you know, nervousness about it, but not, not much. I mean, I think he's going to, I think he's going to ace
1: out pretty hard. Yeah, no, I think he's gonna be very, very good. I just—I was, was curious your thought process on, on that, uh, you you mentioned Matt Boyd earlier when we were talking Tigers. You grabbed him. You got Matt Strong, and I think it's really that's interesting. It. So you're doing this draft. You know, there was a little bit of talk on him, but now the talk is through the roof. Were you um, were you targeting him before the spring success, or did the spring success have anything to do with that?
2: So. He, he got on my radar. So I was, I was actually working with um, Darius Austin uh, at BP and we were kind of doing some work on the depth charts, going over all of the bullpen situations and trying to project saves. And we got to San Diego's bullpen. We're like, yeah, Yates is the man, but you know, we got to throw a couple of rogue saves uh, somewhere else. And I'm like, well, what about Strom? And he's like, I think they're stretching him out to start. And I went, huh? Okay. Because I've always loved him just with the stuff. Um And so, uh, you know, I got, and one of my good friends is a Padres fan. Um, you know, he, he has to be a good friend because I overlook that flaw in his personality. Um, and, and, you know, he was really excited about Strom and this was right when the spring games were starting. And so, um, I just thought whatever his role was going to be, that he would be someone good to grab, um, because of the talent and, uh, and it looks like it's going to be a starting job, so I'm pretty excited. James Anderson was kind of kind of pissed off at me because uh, I got I got Strom in here and I got him in um, TGFBI Champions League, and James is in both of those leagues, and he was he had his he's ready to get his grubby little fingers all over my my Strom.
1: So. Yes, he he likes <laughs> some Paddock and some Strom. He likes that yep. San Diego duo quite a bit. So,
2: a- so a- pretty- and it's,
1: oh, sorry. No, that's fine. What were you going to say?
2: Well, I was just going to say because Alan Harrison, right, who was drafting right, he was drafting out of the two slots. So that same round that I got Strom, I think Paddock went earlier in that round. So this was, oh, what was this? This was round 22. 22. Yeah. So Paddock went to uh, to Matt Modica, and Alan's on the chat going, God, man, on you guys. <laughs> and then I got Strom, and he was, he was, uh, he was not happy that
1: two of his Padres went
2: in that that's round. That's
1: outstanding. Hopefully somebody got Fernando Tatis from him too. Be <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I just like this format that, that you put together. A couple more things I want to mention is you took four catchers, and I'm not saying that's a lot by any means because, of the A, it's 50, 50 uh, rounds, and you can't add drop, obviously. And catchers get banged up a lot. Like, <laughs> things happen with catchers. Was your plan to take four catchers or to just kind of fold that way? I honestly
2: stress so much about catchers. Um, and I thought that's a really dumb thing to stress about. Um, you know, after I got, cause I, I, I didn't, yeah, you know, there, I didn't really have an idea what I was going to do as far as my backup catchers. I got Posey, you know, knock on wood. He's healthy. The hips, you know, the hip has been, uh, fixed. Um, I got Tucker Barnhart who's a pretty good OBP catcher plays every day. Um, And then I was just sort of taking cues on, you know, were people going to grab a third, a fourth? And some people just went, you know, did not even grab a third catcher. Um, Some people went as many as five. And I thought, excuse me, I thought four was, you know, uh, Fegley is going to get some at-bats. He's got a little bit of power. Um, Not exciting, but uh, he could fill in if need be. And uh, Stasi, I actually like Stasi. I mean, now that they have Torinos, um, Stasi's probably, you know, maybe going to get one, two starts a week. But if anything happens to Torinos, I think Stasi is uh, sort of a, a decent, you know, I think there's some, some room for growth there as a hitter. So, and I thought, whatever. It, it, I thought about drafting a fifth catcher uh, toward the end, but, I, you know, I, I examined my, my life priorities and realized that <laughs> that was. That was not something that
1: was really gonna um, make my team that much better. So, uh, another thing I want to mention here is I really like your pos- positional flexibility. You did um, like you, you took Eric Thames and Dan Vogelbach and in your article; those are your only first basemen. But then you, you mentioned Ryan Braun, Travis Shaw, Jake Lamb. They should all get first base eligibility. So that right. really moves things around. You know, second base you have like four or five guys that can play there. Play otherwise, same with third base, so on and so forth. I think in a format like this, like, were you really making a point to try to get positional flexibility? So I was um,
2: happy to do that early on. And I kind of had my eye on that. I actually wish that I'd done it more with uh, the later rounds. Um, there were guys out there that I had near the top of my queue, like a Diaz, um, that I kind of had my eye on as filling uh, multiple infield spots Didn't get him, uh, ended up with Spangenberg. So uh, yes, it was on my mind, but I think I could have done a better job of that. Um, And the whole first base thing, it just shook out that, you know, early, once I took Nelson Cruz, I said, okay, don't worry about first base. You've got guys you can plug in there. You know, Nelson Cruz is basically your first base power bat out of the UT spot. And then whoever you want to put in first base, be it Braun or Lamb or whoever, that'll, that'll work, that'll play.
1: That's a very, very good way to put that because some people get worried about, you know, position, position. When you get in the grand scheme of it, you just got to sit back and go, am I filling my my stats? Anyway, I have right. to fill up my stats for my, my roto categories or whatever. doesn't matter where they come from because in the category columns, they don't define, you know, first base has to get this many or whatever. So that's a very good point is you shouldn't worry about it as much as I think some people do. Some people try to make a point to to fill it out a certain way. Um, any final thoughts, any overall thoughts on on your team? Um, You know, how it looks going into the season, obviously a long ways to go, but overall what were your your take homes from this draft?
2: I mean, I'm pretty, I'm usually very um, critical of my drafts. And I actually think this one went pretty well. Um, You know, I have no idea with, with saves and I don't think anybody has any idea. Um, So I got some dart throws there. Maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. Um, hopefully Wade Davis can, you know, keep his, his grip on that Colorado job. But I, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited to start the season. I mean, basically my whole motivation since from TGFBI last year uh, and then doing the champions league and towers this year is just not to embarrass myself and um, so, so I don't think it was an embarrassing draft, and we'll see how it how it turns out.
1: No, there's nothing nothing wrong with that draft at all. Um, if you were to win this league, you get to pick a f- food item for foliage next year. What would you yeah. pick? I know this is off off the cuff here, but what would you pick? Ah, uh,
2: I I think it would have to be some kind of tacos. To be honest with you, nice. you know. Uh, you know, I'm a California, California I, I'm, feel. I'm exiled from California. You're a California dude too. So, yeah. um, we it's lo- all about the tacos. Love Mexican,
1: we love our Mexican food. Absolutely. It's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. People, I, I always laugh when like I travel somewhere, you probably deal with this too. And I love Mexican food. I really do. But when we travel places, people go, "Oh, let's go get some Mexican food. I'm like, can we try something else? Like just something else would be great. But, yeah. uh, yeah well, try try living in like in you know Idaho and and trying good
2: Mexican food so Yeah those yeah. poor people that's like getting uh, sushi. It's
1: yeah, yeah. It's not it's not the best. No, not at all. Um I didn't put it on the outline, but just real quick, you mentioned it a few times. Just give me a quick synopsis. How was the TGFBI Champions League draft?
2: So I kind of felt like so I was drafting I think from the nine spot and I honestly felt the whole draft like I was I was like caught in a tornado and I was just clutching onto a lamppost and just trying to like, hold on. Um, It was, it was wild. I mean, I think I ended up drafting like, cause everyone was just going crazy and just, you know, going, uh, just reaching for guys and um, and you know, the the chat box was hilarious. It was just constantly, oh man, I can't believe, oh I could, not how how you know you took him three rounds too early. Why did you you know? And you still snipe me. So I, I ended up drafting kind of a kind of a vanilla team. I thought, um, you know, a little bit of upside here, a little bit of uh, a lot of you know, sort of steady eddies. And I honestly don't know. Um, I f- probably feel a little bit better about the Tower Wars draft. Um, but who knows? You know, we'll
1: see. Yeah, no, I've I've heard a lot of stories. I know I asked, uh, I don't I asked Toby. I've asked James how they, how they all they all liked it. And it was a lot of similar thoughts there. It was just yeah. kind of chaos, and uh, it was technically organized chaos, but it was chaos, and you just kind of had to go with your gut and kind of throw everything else out the window. Yeah, so, it was uh, a blast. Yeah, yeah, really good stuff there. All right, let's. Uh, we we did the, we did the draft recap, but let's talk some sleepers because, like I okay. said, it's kind of the last week of draft. People will do a lot this weekend. Technically, the season starts tonight, technically. Um, let's start. We'll do first base, second base, shortstop, third base, and outfield. A couple from each of us. Um, I'm going to skip catchers. Sorry for all those guys that love their catchers, but um, I think you can figure that one out by now. Um, we'll start at the first base position. Give me your first first base sleeper. Okay.
2: I, and So a lot of these sleepers aren't going to be necessarily sexy because I feel like at this point in draft season, everyone has been talked about. So I'm trying to struggle to find guys that actually are going to give you some value and, um, they, you know, they might, you might be overlooking them because they're, they're boring. So my first one is Jose Martinez. Um, look, I think you got to just buy the skills and hope that, you know, either he gets traded or a role emerges. Um, the dude has hit. So his, his flash line since, uh, the beginning of 2017, 306, 369, 478. That's in 897 plate appearances. He just, he hits. Uh, he's not a, he's not a, you know, 30 home run guy. He's more of a line drive, ground ball hitter. Um, but I think that late in the draft, uh, if you get those skills, um, you know, at your corner infield position, um I think it's a decent bet that he's going to return some value. I think he was kind of forgotten about uh, when the, the uh, Cardinals uh, traded for Goldschmidt um, and because Martinez is terrible in the field. Um, but I think something's going to emerge for him. So,
1: Yeah, I like that one quite a bit. Um, if he gets playing, mean, like you said, he, he's just a great, great pure hitter. And he's really going to flourish when he gets there. Uh, my first one uh, just going with about 20 picks after Jose Martinez right now is uh, Justin Bohr of uh, yeah. the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Um, right now with Shohei Otani out, Bour should be hitting in the middle of that, that order. He's either DH or playing first, depending on what pool holes does. Um, you have to imagine eventually Brad Osmus. It's going to be tough to bench pool holes, but I think Bohr's going to get a lot more playing time than people think. I'm not saying it's a full-time deal because they will not full-time bench pool holes, but – When it comes to a guy like Justin Boer, when he gets that everyday playing time, he hits and he gets a lot of power. So this is a guy you can get um, like around 320, 350 in a lot of drafts. He has legit 20 home run upside. Um, We've seen him go for much, much more when he gets that everyday playing time. And with that, you know, new fence in right field, that's the storyline. But uh, he's had 20 or more homers in back-to-back years, and he's only had around 429 or 500 at-bats. We've seen him hit 15, 23, and in the minors, he's pretty much a close to a 20 home run or more guy year in and year out without playing full season. So a lot to like there with Justin Bohr. and even in an OBP league, he brings a little bit to the the, the party with uh, an OBP of 340 or better in back-to-back seasons. So when it comes to a guy like Bohr, I think he's a, a nice little sleeper that most people don't really care to talk about.
2: Yeah, I, um, I totally
1: agree. Yeah. I'm was on my short list. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I, I like him a lot. What is your second guy? This is special for you, Bubba. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Brandon belt. Um, let's I, talk about that. <laughs> like
2: I'm just hoping for that one healthy season. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend that he's going to, um, fulfill the the promise that I think, uh, giants fans had pegged on him when he, when he, uh, started his career, but he still is a solid hitter. Um, you know, he's he's improved his lawn. He's sort of raised his launch angle a bit, a little bit over the past few years. Not that it helps um, when you're a lefty hitting in uh, whatever park they're calling it now. Um, it'll <laughs> always so be a key to me. Uh, Thank you. That's I always say. You <laughs> park. <laughs> but I think that. So another kind of theme of my sleepers is late round players that can help you in average and runs. Now, Belt's not a super average guy, but he can reasonably hit 250 to 260, I think, if he's healthy. Um, and he is a, you know, I think that he, he uh, when you get those sluggers like maybe Bohr and CJ Krohn, um they're really going to lag in the runs category. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Belt can get you 70 to 80 Five runs uh, if he's playing full time. And I think that's a nice little perk. We're talking late, late round here, but um, I would not completely write off in and Belt just yet.
1: No, I, I like the Belt call quite a bit. I wrote about him in my first base sleeper calm, and I think there's a lot to like there. People pretty much have written him off, and it's just because he's getting hurt all the time, the concussions, which is a legit concern. But yeah, if he can just play every day, that's scary, scary. Good. Um, my second one, I had a few to, to pick from this guy. It's going to be interesting because it looks like he's going to get some everyday playing time with Houston Astros. It's Tyler White. Um, if that playing time continues, this is a guy that has 15 to 20 home run power, and he actually helps in the in the bad average column more than you'd expect. You know, he had 276 with the Astros last year in, in uh, 66 games, and in only 22 games in 17, he had 279, but he hit over 300 in AAA both those seasons. Um, for the most part, he's been a career – You know, you've seen him hit 260, 270 or above through most minor league stops. So uh, there's a lot to like in that respect in a pretty loaded lineup. Um, He's got about 20% carry, which is not ideal, but the power's there, brings a little bit extra to the lineup, and uh, to not have your batting average just drown you at that point in the draft is is a sleeper. There's there's a bunch to pick from down here at first base, but uh, yeah, one that I think you can get a little later than you'd think. Definitely. All right, second baseman. Give me your first second base target.
2: All uh, right. Um, I feel like he's getting a lot of helium lately, um, but I still think Adam Frazier is being um, undervalued and uh, drafted a little too late. He's going in the well. I, I, It'd be interesting to look at the the past uh, couple weeks, um, but overall, he's been going in deep in the three hundreds. I mean, he's supposed to be leading off, playing every day at second base for Pittsburgh. He's just, he's a good contact guy. Um, he's got a little speed, a little power, you know, this is a time in the draft when you're just looking, you know, for, you're not looking for a game changer, um, necessarily in any one category. You're just looking for someone that can give you, um, you know, a little bit, uh, across the board. And, uh, I mean, I'm you know I, I had him in, uh, or I, I still have him in an NL only keeper league, and he really uh, last season towards the end, he he really came on and, uh, um, you know was hitting, you know getting a hit or two every day. It seemed like, um, I think there's a high floor there, uh, and uh, you know I would be happy with him as my middle infielder if I'd waited on the position.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's a very very good call here. My first one, he's going to pick three sixty two in the main events and he's not sexy at all. But you mentioned how rough that Indian's offense is. Jason Kipnis is going to be hitting at the top of that order in front of the likes of Lindor, in front of the likes of Jose Ramirez. And he's not far removed from being an all-star. And I know he's kind of struggled the last two years, but we saw a nice turnaround, especially like in the second half last season. He still ended with 18 home runs. The average was not ideal. But, you know, back in 16 and before that, he was a 275-plus hitter. Uh, If we can get him back to 250 or better, you're, you're looking at some pretty good things. Uh, you're going to get 15-plus home runs, almost 10 stolen bases possibly at basically a free pick as a middle infield option. I think Jason Kipnis is one of those guys that people have kind of been like, ew, I've had enough of him. But in the grand scheme of things, if he's hitting in front of the likes of Jose Ramirez, who you talked about earlier, um, and when Lindor comes back, there's something to like there with Jason Kipnis. And the playing time is going to be there for him for now because unless Hanley Ramirez somehow screws that up too. But, uh, yeah, Kipnis should be there and is an option for me late in the drafts all right I like your second one here he was a, a cover boy for my sleeper second base article so yeah you got? all so right I, Star- I like the, Starlin like the
2: one. Marlin yeah Starlin yeah. Castro um you know I think he's actually similar to Frazier he's actually going very close to Frazier um I, I got him in the Champions League I was happy to get him that late you know, here is when you're this deep in your draft, when you can get someone who's going to get 600 plate appearances. I mean, you can book 600 plate appearances. He's, um, I think he's actually, when I checked roster resource, he's maybe going to be hitting cleanup
1: yeah, um, was in the middle of that order.
2: Yeah. Which I don't know. I've gotten weirdly interested in the Marlins lately. We might, so have, might they have so many lead.
1: veterans that are like <laughs> late round targets. <laughs>
2: This might not be the last uh, Marlon we talk about. Um, I wonder if they'll finish better than the the Giants this year. Um, oh, no. <laughs> I know. But anyway, back to, to uh, Starlin. Um, to get, uh, you know, when you when you think about how to establish a nice base for your average, I mean, if you can get someone who's going to hit 270, 280, over 600 plate appearances, I mean, that's huge because that just makes your you know, denominator for that, um, that average stat so much larger. Um, I think I'm doing the math, right, but I'm, I'm a, I'm an English guy, so I don't know, but uh, he'll give you some help in counting stats, you know, maybe 15 homers, five steals, but the runs again, the runs, you know, should be a solid tally, um, you know, maybe 80 to 85 runs, which are just thrilled to get in like the 25th round or whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I mean, it, maybe excitement isn't the right word, but I'm, I'm happy to end up with, uh, Starlin Castro.
1: Yeah, I have no problem with Starlin. He's another one of those kind of boring picks that, like you said, 600 plate appearances at that point in the draft. I have, I have no problem being a boring team that has guys that get the job done. So I like that a lot. Um, my second, second baseman and his helium has been coming up as well because, they're actually looking like they're going to have playing time for Chad Pender in Oakland. Um, this guy, I've loved him doing DFS when he's in the lineup for a left-handed pitcher. He mashes them. I'm a big fan of Chad Pender. And if the reports are true, that he is going to be a guy that gets you close to 450 to 500 at bats. I think this can be a steal. He's going to be multi-position eligible. He's going to hit for a decent, you know, maybe a 260 plus average, but that power is there. Um, there is a lot to like with Chad Pender getting everyday playing time. So He's he's free right now, but his value is going up. He's another guy that I could see, like Jung Ho Kang, who we talked about earlier, that I could see that that ADP climbing quite a bit come next weekend.
2: So, can I ask you about Pinder? It, so, is he now um, is he looking to get at bats in the in the outfield now? Um, yep. Okay, yeah. So he's going to get some time against righties now too, as well as yeah. being the lefty killer that he's been. Yep.
1: So they're gonna they're gonna try him on out the outfield. Plus he'll kind of play that utility role in the infield uh, in certain matchups. So they're they're gonna attempt to uh, get him out there as much as possible. Looks like, which would be tremendous. Yeah, dude has legit power. Yeah. So pretty pretty uh, happy on that one. Let's get to the shortstop position, a position that everyone is claiming is super super deep, and I'm not arguing that at all. Um, and your first one here is a guy that I have targeted in a lot of drafts. Who you got? Um, I think I put. Uh... Kike Hernandez first. Is that, yep. is that who we're that's talking correct. about? Yeah. that's correct.
2: So, I mean, could have put him in the second base sleepers or the outfield sleepers as well. I like, I, I think of him next. I can't, I can't think of him without thinking of without comparing him to Chris Taylor, his teammate. Um, Kike has one more position of eligibility right now. I mean, Taylor will probably get second base back in short order, but, uh, Kike's got second short and outfield. Um, he's going a hundred picks later than Taylor. Um, You know he's really erased his platoon split. He used to be um, a lefty masher, like Pinder, or thought of that way. Um, But he's almost as good against righties. He's got legit twenty-five home run power. He's in a stacked lineup, and you know, I the Dodgers are a pain in the ass. Um, We know this with both the lineup and the pitching. But I could see a scenario where he's putting in maybe, you know, uh, two three times a week at second and then maybe part of a platoon with jock peterson or alex verdugo um you know the the short side of the platoon in the outfield a couple days i think he'll get his you know 450 to 500 plate appearances and you know getting you at least 20 home runs and a decent ish average um you know I, i'm really into and the multi-position eligibility so i'm i'm really liking uh, if i can get kike late in the draft
1: Yeah, I like getting him late. The power is legit. Like you said, once he kind of broke the mold of being a lefty-only guy, he's going to get the playing time. We saw it last year. And and I think, you know, the Austin Barnes experiment outside of catcher is gone. Uh, And then Chris Taylor, he's kind of a downer last year, so we'll see how that pans out. Um, My first one, he's been going up. I had a couple others that I really liked, and they're all above pick 200 now in in, um, Paul DeYoung and Jorge Polanco. You know, a month ago they were way down there. But uh, as Drew Cabrera still only picked two twenty two. It's not a massive sleeper, but twenty fifth shortstop off the board. There's there's a lot to like with him. Um, he's basically has fourteen or more home runs in every season since two thousand and eleven. Um, he hits basically two seventy at least. You know seventy percent of those seasons. He is a very very consistent player. He's getting you sixty five plus runs scored, sixty five plus RBIs with big time potential. He's just consistently getting the job done. I love that kind of consistency when I can pencil it in at a a shortstop or second base or a middle infield position and going to Texas and Arlington is not going to suck hitting there in the summertime. So I I really like his Druble He's actually second short and third base eligible. So you factor in middle infield and corner infield, he can fill up five different roster spots for you. So big fan of his Druble at that point in the draft. Who's your second sleeper shortstop? All right.
2: Well, let's, uh, let's go to, um, Atlanta and, uh, and look at a little Dansby Swanson see if if he can uh, fulfill some of that uh, uh, prospect pedigree. Um, I don't, you know, this is, this is more a kind of more of a profile um, pick than necessarily the player himself, because he was injured for most of last season. And and he, you know, he could have had a a sort of mini breakout, his power just completely, I think, you know, Saris. um, wrote something in the athletic looking at, uh, for possible breakout bats. And and Swanson was one of his choices because, um, his injury really sapped his, his exit velocity. I mean, he's still, uh, you know, a number one pick. Uh, I think he's got the hit tool is still there. Um, it, it, you know, he'll steal a few bases. And again, this is, he's, he's been going around, you know, deep in the four hundreds, this draft season, like, you know, it's like, Got the plague or something? Uh, No one wants to touch him. Um, But I grabbed him. He was, you know, I grabbed him in draft and hold, um, and and in a couple of other places. And you know, it's just kind of a bank on on the post type sleeper narrative um, to see if something's gonna gonna pan out there. I think he'll be fine. I don't think he'll be a star, but I think he'll be he'll return value at least going as late as he's going.
1: I like that call. It's a guy I've looked at a few times. I haven't been able to pull the trigger, but. I'm, I'm on board with everything you're saying there. Uh, my second guy is Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, I'm a big fan of this kid. He had a stretch last year where he was just destroying baseballs and he got hurt. Uh, he still hit 281 with 11 home runs, drove in 35 in 65 games, and 263 at-bats. He's doing it again this spring, showing all kinds of power. I think this guy's got 15 to 20 home run upside. He's going to hit for a decent average because the power is never really there in the minors, but he's showing it like a lot of these kids do out of nowhere when they come to the bigs could be the baseball who knows that's a whole other podcast but um the average is there he's got pretty decent plate uh plate skills and um the the glove the glove is working in the field so he's not going to lose playing time in that respect second base shortstop eligible so i, I like me some lourdes Gurriel jr it's something with those brothers they can uh they can hit a baseball it's been well proven so big fan of that one let's head over to the third base position got a couple good ones here let's go back to your miami marlins who you got uh, let's talk about um
2: Brian Anderson, boring Brian Anderson. Um you know, I could repeat a lot of the stuff I said about um Castro. Um Anderson's going to be hitting second, so I think that gives him sneaky run potential. He had 87 runs last year, which, you know, uh, again, you know, there that's that's helpful. That you know, people forget about the runs category, but um he's a plus um producer there. He's got a good exit velo, bad launch angle. So it's another one of these guys that's not going to, uh, probably not going to get to 20 home runs. Um, but we'll definitely get to the, you know, he'll probably be in the teens. Um, and, you know, there's, I don't know, he, he's, he's just one of those players that's also going to give you not elite average, but definitely playable average um, really late in a draft. And I think it's, you know, these guys are kind of disguised because they don't have, Um, elite, you know, elite power or elite speed, but they just contribute in all of the categories a little bit. And so I think Brian Anderson's not an exciting play, but I think it's a a good play.
1: Yeah, I like that play. If he can just get that launch angle a little more, he's got such good hard hit line drive rates that that power could come. He reminds me, I'm not going to say he's Manny Machado, but when Manny Machado first jumped in, he was like a double off the walls guy. And then he started figuring it out and boom. So I think think he's at least a 15-20 homer type guy once he gets going. Um, My first one, it's one that some people might want to plug their nose at or throw something at me, but uh, Mikel Franco. He's going about pick 259, 24 third baseman off the board. I know he's torching it again this spring. We've seen this story play out many, many times. But last year he quietly had another really good season, 22 home runs. He's had 22 more homers in three straight years. But one of the things that really caught my eye last year is he hit 270. He only played in 131 games. He played in 152 or more the previous two. But hitting 270, he lowered his strikeout rate to 13.3%, which is a career best. Um, there's a lot to like with this kid. And if people weren't paying attention to the Phillies, they added this guy named Bryce Harper. They added Gene Segura that off, and Andrew McCutcheon. That offense is going to get really, really good. Not as much focus on uh, Mikael having to come through. He's going to have more guys on base to drive in. I think he can be in for a nice big season of maybe 25 home runs again, at least 20. If that average and strikeout rate stays the way it is, there's going to be runs to drive in and runs to score. So I think McKell could be one of those forgotten guys, you know, another kind of post-hype type guy that could come through this year. Who's your second third baseman?
2: All right. Um, I haven't ended up with him yet, but I'm kind of getting back into uh, Ian Happ. Um, You know, he was – he was so overhyped last year and the whole, you know, hitting the home run on the first pitch of the, of the season uh, off of Jose Urena. Um, And then he just kind of fizzled. But I think, again, this is kind of a post-type sleeper. There's talent there. Uh, He walks a ton and, you know, even though the strikeout rate is like not just bad, it's, it's gross. I mean, it was like over 36% last year. You know, the one thing that, that, keeps me interested uh, that you know there's potential for that to come down you know like Yohan makata he, he takes too many pitches he strikes out looking a lot um his his o swing swinging outside the zone was 24.7% and that was actually 31st in the majors uh for everyone above 400 plate appearances so this is not a free swinger this is just a guy who seems like he might be a little too patient and you know, if he can unlock, um, you know, if he can and sort of uh, get to the ball earlier in counts, he's got speed, he's got power, and I think there's, you know, there's a mini breakout uh, on the horizon if he can just uh, be a little more aggressive in his approach.
1: All right, and I, I like the have a call. I hope he can he can make it happen. My next guy is kind of disgusting. Um he's going at pick 350. You mentioned Brandon Belt. I'm mentioning Evan Longoria. Oh at, no. No. At three at 350, he's basically he's basically, <laughs> he's basically free. I know he only had 16 homers last year, but he only played 125 games. Uh, he's been a 20 homer guy or at least 17 homer guy his entire career. He's gonna, you know, 244 down year last year. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets back to 260 ish. Um it's tough. I, I this is where I don't like third base. Is it, it's very very top heavy and very very good, but it, unlike other positions, it drops off fast. But I think Longo's got some upside there, and he's basically a forgotten man for free. It's not attractive at all, but he's one of those veterans that's going to get playing time, and uh, he, he's going to be a little better than people think. So Longo, it's not great, and I, I knew it was going to cause a little stir, but I build Longo there. I hope right. I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope I am too, because man, I, I there's days I don't know how they're going to score at least three runs a game. I really, uh, really don't. Um, let's get to the outfield. And this is one I, I said, let's just do two, because we could have probably done a ton. There's so many ways to go here, but give me your first outfielder. Uh,
2: so this, I think this gets inside the top 200 a little bit, but I, I am fully into Ryan Braun um, this year. We mentioned him in the draft and whole discussion. Um, I, I don't, you know, I just, I don't think he's done yet. He had such great exit velocity last year, just hitting the crap out of the ball. Um, But, and he's worked on his launch angle in the off season. And, you know, I guess I trust a veteran a little bit more to be able to make those changes and approach without totally wrecking, you know, messing up his swing. Um, So I'm, you know, and, and he still steals bases, you know, he's, he's, been around for decades, it seems like, but he still steals double digit bases. So um, I, I, you know, he could get hurt tomorrow. Um, That's always a possibility with Braun, but I think when he's on the field, um, you know, he's a, he's a great guy uh, to have. And I'm, I'm excited to see, um, you know, if he can, you know, um, sort of get that power back up uh, a little bit more this year um, and, you know, have a little late, late career surge, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened at all.
1: Yeah, I like that uh, Bron call quite a bit. Uh, for me, my first one going to pick 269 right now, outfloated for the Toronto Blue Jays, Kevin Pilar. It um, should be leading off in that lineup. It's a guy you can get at that point in the draft with 15 15 upside, 15 homers, 15 stolen base upside. It's going to hit you about 260 or better. He's going to score some runs. Blue Jays aren't going to be that attractive, but. He is going to get his at the top of that order, Uh gold glove defender. So they're going to keep him in the lineup as much as they can. So Kevin Pilar is definitely a guy that uh, gets overlooked. That, that ADP I gave you was from the main event. He was going much later in other drafts. So the main event guys saw something there and I'd keep an eye on Kevin Pilar as a late target to look at. Who is your second outfielder? Okay. So I, I wrote him up
2: at BP when we did our um, outfielders to target piece and uh, it's Max Kepler for the Twins. Um, so he made some strides last year that didn't necessarily show up in his top line stats. Um, his walks are over 10%. His strikeouts went uh, below uh, 15%, um, increased hard hit fly ball rates. He really uh, erased a lot of his platoon splits. And, you know, he might be, there's talk that he might be hitting leadoff, that Baldelli's is going to at least experiment with that. And so I, I think it's his age 26 season as well. If you were just sort of setting up all of the conditions for a breakout, like these would all be there. Um, you know, I don't know if it will happen, but I think that I'm, I'm willing to, uh, willing to, to um, you know, buy him at, at his current cost. I, I don't think he's uh, – I, I think he's a, a great value uh, going well outside the top 200.
1: I like that next Kepler call quite a bit. A uh, big, big fan of him this year. Grabbed him to TGFBI. My second guy um, going about pick, uh, 283 right now. He was hurt last year, only played in 72 games for the D-backs. Steven Souza Jr., just uh, in 2017, he had 30 homers and 16 stolen bases. We've seen him go you 15-15 know, type stuff or better. His minor league numbers, he ran like crazy. Um, it's a guy, bad average liability. If you get 240 out of him, you're happy. Strikes out a ton, but he's a big-time power guy. He can steal some bags, going super late, going to be batting right around third or fourth in that Diamondbacks lineup. Yes, the humidor is there, but still a lot like their Steven Souza Jr., so a little bit of value when it comes to him. All right, like I said, we could talk sleepers all day. There's tons and tons and tons of them to talk about, but uh, we'll rely on you know them checking out your BP articles and other good stuff in that respect. Um I got one listener question for us. It comes from Cody McDonald at CoMacdu. What is the deepest you'll go on hitters until you take your first SP1 in a draft? Uh one round? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean
2: I I could see drafts where I would wait till the third. I this year I don't I don't see going much further. I am not an advocate of the uh, the no aces strategy, uh, even though it's worked for Clay Link and Todd Zola's written about it. Uh, you know, especially in these industry drafts, uh, I would like to sort of go against the grain and, and be different, but you really get, I, it feels like that middle tier of pitchers is just so, you know, laden with risk this year. Um, I don't want my, uh, the front of my rotation to come from from that um, segment of the, of the pool, so I can't I can't really see this year going beyond the third round uh, without having a starter.
1: Yeah, it's tough. I've, I've I've adjusted every season. I used to be a I'd never take a guy early. Uh, I like think last year I started taking him by the fourth round. This year I'm with you. I've taken, I think, one in the second or third round at the latest in every draft I've done. It's been I, I, I really feel like my team is not it's not comfortable. At all, when you don't have one of those kind of big, big arms to look at because it drops pretty dramatically after a little while there. So it is it is rather, rather tricky. All right, John, this has been great. Uh, It is awesome having you. We will do this again sometime for sure. Why don't you plug what you got going on at Baseball Prospectus and where they can find you?
2: Yeah, just uh, at BP, uh, baseballperspectus.com. And I am writing something after I get off this call. I am going to write a piece for tomorrow on uh, Dark Horse uh, ERA candidates. So uh, some pitchers late in drafts where you might be able to squeeze some ERA value who don't necessarily project um, to have that value. And we haven't really done our assignments for in-season. We'll be doing that in the next uh, week or so. Uh, so, I'm not sure what my beat is going to be, but you can just find me if you uh, go to BP and click on the the fantasy link at the top of the page. Um, I'll definitely have some content
1: there. Awesome. And he's on Twitter at John Heglund, H E G G L U N D. John, this is a lot of fun, man. I appreciate you jumping on. And like I said, we'll do this again sometime. Cool. I hope so. Thanks, Bubba. No problem. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 154. Talking some fantasy baseball sleepers with John Hegman of Baseball Prospectus. Catch you guys later.